Wow. Wow. The Lord is... Wow, the presence of God is so recognizable, tangible, obvious. It's just an honor to be part of what the Lord is doing this morning. I love that. Lord, we honor what you're doing this morning, what you are setting in motion. God, we recognize your presence in this place, and we don't want to veer to the right or to the left. We want to follow you lockstep. Just bless our time. Draw us unto yourself. Knit our hearts together, Lord. Thank you for what you've already begun. Thank you, God, that this is only the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to introduce to you this morning for the One Stone family, officially, for the very first time, I want to introduce Pastor Grant Pemberton. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, likewise, uh, if you are uh, from the Vineyard folk, this is Pastor Mark Lancaster, right? All right. <laughs> we're still trying to figure out how seriously we're going to be able to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a little that was a little awkward, wasn't it? <laughs> it was awkward. <laughs> oh. Wow. Well, we wanted to take some time today and introduce ourselves um, to everyone here and sort of tell the story of how in the world we're here today. And uh, I know we've kind of both been talking about it separately, but there's some things that we, we haven't shared and there's some, uh, there's some history that we haven't shared. You know, Mark and I are both uh, pastors, but, but we're also both church planters which means that we, we are crazy enough to try and start something uh, in Nashville, where there's, there's a lot of churches in Nashville, and you wanna know how crazy we are, we said maybe, maybe there needs to be a couple more. And so we came, came to Nashville, um, we did, uh, about eight years ago. The Lord showed up in some very miraculous ways uh, to call us here to Nashville and he gave us dreams and visions. I'm from East Tennessee. I wanted to get as far away uh, from, from Tennessee as I could. I wanted to go somewhere exotic, and uh, the Lord had different things in mind. Um, growing up, Nashville wasn't cool, and when we moved here, it still wasn't quite cool. It got cool right after we moved here, so I've always thought <laughs> correlation, I'm not sure, on that. And so the Lord showed up in dreams and visions, and even he showed us our first place uh, that we would be ministering in. He, he, gave, he gave my wife, Sarah, who was on keys uh, today, she, he gave her the dream of the actual building that we met in uh, for the very first time three or four years before we actually ended up moving here. So we knew that we were supposed to be here in Nashville. And I was trying to figure out why in the world the Lord would want another church, much less a church pastored by me, who um, is not the brightest bulb uh, in, the, in, in the box necessarily, especially, I mean, in Nashville. You have people, you have pastors in Nashville that translated the book of Isaiah 
into the ESV version. It's like, what am I going to do with this guy? You know, I can barely spell Isaiah. I have to use the spell check. And so I was just trying to figure out what in the world are we doing here? And was praying into it and really asking the Lord, like, like could you tell us what we're doing here? And the Lord showed up and he said, uh, he, he, he showed me that Nashville, right, is what? It's the Athens of the South. I don't know if you've heard that or not, but over in Centennial Park, you have, you have the Parthenon, you have all these things going on. And, and so I was talking and dialoguing with, uh, with some mentors and other pastors. And so I was like, you know, I can't, I don't know what, what we're supposed to do here for. And he said, I'll tell you why he called you to Nashville. And he said, you know, there's another Athens. There's, there's, there's the Athens that we read about. And it starts in, in Acts chapter uh, 17, starting in verse 16. Paul is going to Athens. And he's going to Mars Hill. And he has this famous discourse that he gives to the people at Mars Hill. And he reasons with them, and he pulls out the gods of that world. He pulls out their poetry. He pulls out all of that sort of stuff. And he uses the best logic and reasoning that he knows how. At the very end here, in verse 34, it says, However, some men joined him and believed among them. Some. Well, then the story goes, and he goes to, he goes to Corinth. And Paul's in Corinth, and, and he, he does something a, a little bit differently. I want to flip over here and read it. He says this in, in chapter 2 of Corinth. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or with wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words, of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power, and that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And in Acts chapter 18, it goes on and it says, and many believed in Corinth. And the Lord showed me that we don't need any more information, we need more demonstration. People know enough. You're gonna get this Pentecostal going, hang on. And so as we've planted our church, one of the foundational things that we've planted on has been that we want to see the Lord's power, the kingdom of God break through. We, we don't want to hear about it. We don't, we don't want to teach it. We want to see it. And so that's where we've been this entire time. And so that's why I think part of the reason the Lord called us to Nashville. That's amazing. I love the way that the Lord moves like that. You know, I'm originally from... Kalamazoo, Michigan. I moved here in 96. So I'm a Michigander and I married a Southern gal who uh, actually was born here in Nashville. She grew up in Hendersonville. In about 2000, I remember praying. I was working full-time at CSAC down on Music Row and I remember having a conversation with the Lord and saying, God, I want to do whatever it is that you want me to do. I never set out to be a pastor. It was not on my radar. My grandfather was a pastor. My mother grew up in India as a missionary kid, and my grandfather was also a church planter. But I, I remember just running away from the Lord for the longest time. And it was in 2000, because I kept trying to make music happen, and I said, God, I don't care if I ever uh, 
sing another note or have anything to do with music. If that's not your will for my life, I don't want it. Up until that point, it was always praying that the Lord would bless my plans. And I remember this one particular night, I said, God, I don't care what it looks like. I want to be on the road that you have for my life. So speak to me in a tangible, recognizable way. Let me know what you want me to do. The very next day, I walked into CSAC where I worked, and there was this guy that walks up to me. His name is J.D. Wiggins. Just the year before, I had just had this radical hug that happened from him, and I'm not going to get into that. But anyway, I remember praying, God, what do you want to do? Speak to me in a tangible way. Next day, J.D. walks up to me. Mark, Pastor John and I were in prayer last night, and we're sensing that you're supposed to be the youth pastor of the church. You might want to pray about that. I prayed about it. It uh, resonated with me. I did not like youth. It seemed like a bunch of drama. I didn't like youth. But, but the Lord gripped my heart. And it was like stepping into shoes that had always been made for me. And so at that church in Hendersonville, I was the youth pastor for 13 years. And the Lord called us to plant a church right here in East Nashville. Ironically... Angie's dad, his mom, uh, her grandmother grew up right here in this neighborhood of Cleveland Park. She was a Church of God preacher. She always prayed that her son would end up uh, becoming a preacher. It never happened. And we actually live three streets over right here in Cleveland Park. So when the Lord called us to plant a church, uh, the idea of East Nashville, Angie said, no way. There's no way. I want to have anything to do with that. Her parents had gotten out of Dodge. This was a very dangerous part of town at the time uh, growing up. People got out of here just like her family did. And, but the Lord had confirmed that we were supposed to come to East Nashville. Um, and even the idea of planting a church came supernaturally through a phone call by, the, uh, by a friend of mine by the name of Sean Lewis, confirmed through Ben and Leah, and so we did in 2014 launched One Stone Nashville. Uh, just to give you a little background about me, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is Jeremiah 29:13, where it says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's not a maybe, that's a guarantee. When you seek him with all your heart, uh, he will be found by you. And so I've just always been captivated that by that. I've been drawn by God's stories. And so hence the name of One Stone Nashville, we wanted to be part of something where only God got the credit. In Jeremiah chapter 4, uh, why did they erect the stones there? It was a reminder of how God delivered the Israelites across the Jordan and to dry land into the promised land. It was a reminder, a memorial stone. And so that was how we got called to plant the church here, how we established it here, and also what I'm passionate about. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And Nashville needs Jesus. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for being gracious as we're trying to figure out how to volley back and forth here. We wanted to also kind of tell you what, what we burn for, what what we live for, why, why we feel called while we get up on Monday morning and decide we're going to do this again next week. Um, and so we wanted to talk a little bit about what we're passionate about. And, you know, one of, one of the things that has always been a part of, of my life that, that even before I was really following the Lord, even before I was um, 
in, in any sort of ministry track was I just want to see people come to the realization of who they are, of who God created them to be. I want to see people begin to walk in, in their destiny and in their calling. And for me, there's nothing more exciting, there's nothing more fulfilling than to see people begin to walk in, in the ways that they're really called to walk. And, and in Nashville, in a world where it's a city full of broken dreams, I actually believe that you know, in the spiritual realm, whatever you see happening uh, on, on, the, on the dark side of the coin is really a tell of what the Lord has for us. The, 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 the enemy always overplays his hand. And, and so if, if Nashville is a city where, where dreams come to die, as I've heard so many people say it, I, I would say yes to that. And it, and it is a city where dreams come to die, where the dreams of the flesh come to die and, and the dreams of the spirit begin to be awakened in the hearts and the lives of people. And so what, what we've always wanted to do is just to begin to see people walk in the destiny that they have. We, we, think, we think it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. It's a big, big deal. <laughs> You're it. Oh, I'm out. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Man, I, I love this. I love this. We're getting into a flow together. Isn't this great? Everybody having fun? Yeah. All right. All right. You know, really, this is... You know, we've been talking about this. This is like, uh, like a wedding. It's like a marriage coming in because it's not just two churches coming together to just occupy space together. The Lord is really knitting our hearts together to be one family. Isn't that amazing? Just what he's doing even here and now. You can sense that even in the room right now. Look around the room at people around you. I want you to look eyeball to eyeball. Everybody, everybody. Don't break eye contact. Not just, <laughs> don't break eye contact. I love that. Just stare into each other's That's eyes. Right. Stare. <laughs> See who breaks. That's right. See who breaks. <laughs> but as you look around this room, what the Lord is doing is supernatural. This is absolutely amazing. And so his presence is, is palpable in this place. As, uh, you know, I love to see, I love this. I love to see people run after God with absolutely everything that they are. Just to completely surrender to him everything. Because that's what the world really needs is to see Christ in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And the majority of the people that you come into contact with, they're not going to be reading the Bible. So you may be the only Bible that somebody reads. And so as you become a light in the world around you, they begin to pay attention to him, especially as we begin to share the hope in which we have. And so uh, that's one of the things that, that I'm absolutely passionate about is just to see God move powerfully through people. And the fact that every one of us in this room is created uniquely, and every one of us could give an account of what the Lord has done in our lives through a testimony. Every person here has a different vantage point, a different gift set. The Lord knits you together specifically, and He knows even your sense of humor. And it all matters to Him. And even if we gathered up all of those testimonies, it would not even come 
close to being the full picture of who God is. There's something powerful that happens when we pursue him together with reckless abandon. Yeah. So we've, we've been talking with, with our prospective congregations about why we're doing this and, and what came together. Mark and I have been uh, hanging out for almost a decade. We've been really intentional friends uh, as pastors here in East Nashville uh, for about five years where we'd meet almost weekly for seasons um, to just encourage each other and, and cry with one another and, and all of that sort of thing. We cried a lot. We cried so much. Just all the so tears. Many tears. <laughs> um, <laughs> so much. And, and we, we have always felt like there's something the Lord is doing between us. Uh, we, we've, we've actually, we've talked about this crazy thing that we're, we're living out here several times in the past. And each time the Lord kind of said, not yet kind of said not yet and and so this past year it was like the Lord had been preparing us both for this perfect moment uh, in time again what are we seeing in the world right now we're seeing radical division and what are we doing right here it's radical unity this is what God wants to do this this is his plan right and so we we've been talking about this and, and so we, we've, been, we've been looking at, okay, well, how is this going to work and, and, and what's going to happen? We were actually we're sitting on the front porch of Mark's house on Thursday to kind of say, what, what are we doing? You know, this is crazy. And we, we talked for, for a long time. And, and one of the things that came out was that the Lord has given us these foundational verses supernaturally. I mean, our story is just, it's, it's supernatural. That our, our son was born at 242 he was in room 242 and our honeymoon suite was room 242 not ours but my wife and I <laughs> just to be clear we're talking about weddings not that kind um, and so so we we our our foundational verse has been Acts 242 and and so we talked about that and we were we, we read the verses to each other because yours is John 17 Right, and so we've been, we've been reading this, uh, these verses, and, and we kind of came to the realization. So, so I'm going to read. Uh, our actually, why don't you read John 17, and then I'll read. Yes, Acts 2:42. So John 17, starting with verse 20, and this is the John 17 is the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. I just got to preface it by saying this. It's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. Jesus was God in the flesh. And so when God is praying something, we should really pay attention to what he's praying. Because it's a big, big deal, right? The capital B, big, big deal. And so when you look at John 17, Jesus begins by praying that the Father would be glorified in and through what he was about to do on the cross. The second part of John 17, he prays for the disciples. The 12 guys who Jesus had spent three years pouring his life and heart and ministry into. And then he prays for us, you and me. He prays for us. And starting in verse 20, he says, I do not ask for these only. He's referencing the disciples. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one 
just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you love me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. And so that's a powerful, powerful picture of what he's praying, that we would be one as he and the Father are one, which was established before the foundations of the world. It's that love. It's that oneness. It's that unity. And then can you talk a little bit about how that's played out with you guys? Because if for, for, for the Nashville folks, the, the One Stone folks probably know this, but the Vineyard folks, Mark burns for John 17. I mean, it, it is, it's in the DNA. It's in the DNA of who he is. It's in the DNA of, of his family. It's in the DNA of his house. So can you talk for just a little bit about how that's played out, about the GO team and about all that sort of thing? Absolutely. You know, uh, it, was, it was around 2001, I remember putting together this gathering of youth pastors, uh, uh, wanting to do something to pull youth pastors together along with their youth ministry teams uh, in Gallatin. And so uh, we put this event together, and I was going to foot the bill. And we were going to, we put together these promo packs along with videos. And we hand delivered these things and even made follow, follow up phone calls to 70 different youth ministries, inviting them and the youth pastors to come and speak at this event bring their worship teams so we could all do this together. I wasn't trying to hawk my event, asking them to just be part of my event. I wanted to create an event where we could all come together because John 17, at that time, it gripped me, it gripped my heart, and I've forever been gripped by John 17. As a matter of fact, I can't even think about the kingdom of God without thinking about it through the context of John 17. And so we invited all of these people, and not a single one came out of 70. Now, I could have gotten discouraged, but I didn't. I thought, wait a minute, you know, I'm working full-time down on Music Road. They don't know me. So how about I spend the next year just trying to get to know the youth pastors in the area all over Sumner County? So that's what I did. I started building relationship with youth pastors. And so that began to happen. And so uh, over the years, and it was even through that, over the years we started, uh, even in our youth ministry, uh, something called the Unity Movement. We called it Unite the Faith. And even Ben and, and a lot of the guys were a part of that as the worship team. And in about 2010, I got connected with a leader in the city by the name of Scott McLeod, who Scott and Sarah McLeod have done a lot at the Foundry. 
very instrumental. They were gripped by John 17. The Lord began to unite our hearts together. I started taking our youth ministry down there on Friday nights for worship. You know, I was ministering in the suburbs, and something about being right downtown, uh, it, it's where the old Marathon Motors was, down in that area, is where their ministry is. Something about going right downtown and being in the inner city, uh, I, I equate it like this. Doing ministry in the suburbs felt like driving a 1970s Cadillac uh, from the back seat felt like everything was happening from the windshield and way out there. But something about going and taking my youth ministry downtown, it felt like being on the front bumper of the car. It felt immediate. You recognized the needs and you could sense the presence of God on what it was that they were doing. And so more and more, I started taking our youth ministry down there and connecting and started getting connected around the city for this John 17 thing, seeing the body of Christ come together as one. Well, over the years, I, I became part of this group of people called the Go Team. It's made up of Scott McLeod, Bob Perry, Jason Ford, Papa Don Finto, Todd McDowell, Kendall Hewitt, and Mark Rampula. And Every month for about the last seven or eight years, we would get together. And we started about seven years ago, just really intentionally uh, starting some initiatives around the city, things that we uh, were instrumental in, Awaken the Dawn. We, we partnered with the uh, Surrounded event uh, that happened at Bridgestone. And, and every year since then, we do a Nashville uh, Leaders Gathering uh, that happens every year to bring the leaders around the city together. And, and so all around the idea of John 17 unity. And over those years, I've been, have the privilege of, we actually host right here, and it's going to be happening this Wednesday uh, for leaders around the city. We meet the first Wednesday of every month. It's called the Worship City Alliance. It was established in 2007 by Prophet James Gall after the call that happened down here. Well, uh, Pastor Jerry Bryant, who was the original, uh, the, the pastor of the Nashville Vineyard years ago, uh, a different one, um, it, he and I, I, I've got the privilege of being able to help co-lead the Worship City Alliance along with Jerry Bryant. And so that is an awesome thing. And so we're part of that around the city. Beyond Our Walls Pastors Coalition, which is made up of some leaders. I, I don't like to name drop. That, that's not what I'm doing here. I'm just giving you context just to uh, paint a picture as to what it is that the Lord is doing in the here and now. Because the times of, of just being centralized and focused on our own ministries, that's not what he's doing now. He's calling us together. See, when God prays something, it's important. And it's, it's really important that we become what it is that he's praying for. You know, as, as Pastor Grant said, that when the enemy has a scheme, God's got a plan. You pay attention to the scheme and you know God's plan. And his plan is unity. That's the antidote for all the division that's happening in the world around us. And so uh, also there's a, a gathering of, of pastors in the region called the Beyond Our Walls Pastors Coalition. And all the while we're building 
bridges between these pastors. Uh, Steve Berger, um, Steve Lowe from Bethel World Outreach, Mark Rampula, uh, who's at Southview Church down in um, uh, Spring Hill. Uh, Dale Everest from... Uh, yeah. New Song Nashville. Well, it's amazing is what I tell people. It's everyone from the from the biggest mega churches down to, I think there's a cowboy church and a Harley Davidson biker church. Man, man, there is. There it, is. It's, it's and we amazing. all come together and once a month. We all come month. together. That's crazy. It's powerful. And, and, and Mark has, he has this anointing for unity. I mean, he really does. He, he as another pastor in the church, pastors get asked to do a lot of things by other pastors, and usually it's for their thing. Come on. And we can smell it. And we usually have other plans. But, but whenever Mark would approach me, I knew that there, it was something different about whatever it was he was doing. And so I would find myself in places I wouldn't normally go simply because he would ask me. And I could just, there, I could just sense it that he carries this anointing for unity. It's just unreal. I remember when I told you that as we were thinking about doing this, you know. Man, and, and it's really... The Lord really did something special when, when he knit Grant and I together because I could really tell we resonated with a lot of different things. And one thing about Pastor Grant is just his openness to the Lord, really wanting to follow and honor the Lord first and foremost above anything else. It just really drew me to him. And all the amazing God stories of just places and spaces that he had said yes. So it was really cool to see how there was something different about this because uh, over the years I'd been connected through different unity movements, but this was something different. Grant Pemberton was the first pastor I met in 20 years that was willing to die with me. That's a big deal. Like he didn't want, he just said, you know, Mark, I don't care about being the main guy. None of that stuff matters. I just want to be part of something where only God gets the credit. And it just really drew me uh, to him and his heart. And it's just absolutely powerful. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the same. And, you know, we, I was talking about it being on the porch. And we were, we were sitting on his front porch uh, on Thursday. And we were talking about these two, uh, these two verses. And so ours is Acts 2.42. And it says this, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and the fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And then the fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And now all who believed were together and, all, and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And as we talked about these two foundational verses, it dawned on us at the same time that, that Acts 2.42 and what is happening here is actually how Jesus' prayer gets answered in John 17. This is, this is the legs that, that Jesus' prayer runs on. And so it was, it was so fascinating as we were talking about how this is coming together and talking about being knit together that here we have these two things, these two calls that, that burn within us, that have, that have guided us through this whole thing. I mean, through our home church network and through everything that we're doing, it's all been about seeing Jesus' prayer answered. And I can't think of a higher honor 
than being able to be a part of the prayer answered for Jesus. I mean, it's incredible. And that's what we get to be a part of. And so as we've talked about all, all of the things that we feel called to do, as we've, as we've dreamed, we, we, we dreamed again on the porch on Thursday, and we just began to dream and say, what do we see the Lord doing? And, and we begin to, to, to see the Lord show us just, just a, a little bit, you know. Sometimes he's a light for our path, and sometimes he's a lamp for our feet. And, and so he began to sort of light up the path and begin to show us what he has for us. And, and we're going to tell you it's going to be very exciting. We're, we're going to see disciples begin to be raised up and sent out. We're going to begin to see uh, people being equipped in the call and their destiny and then begin to see them activated and sent forth. And, and this city is never going to be the same, but it's bigger than this city. And so we think the Lord is actually going to be replicating what we're doing here all over the world. I, I've had calls, and I know you've had calls. I've had calls from pastors who have shut their churches down, and they said, if I knew this was an option, we would have still been open. And, the, and they're encouraged, and they're, and they're talking about, can this be done? And, and you had this perfect answer. You said, you know, Jesus sent people out two by two. And so we're, we're definitely in uncharted waters here. We're, we're, we're in new territory, but it's because I believe the Lord is wanting to do something new. You, you can't have new wine without a new wineskin. And we've, we've tried to clean the wineskin. We've tried to, to change the color of the wineskin, but we've never, clean, we've never actually thrown it away and got a new one. Because that's, that's risky. And we've, we've, we've just thrown it away. We, we decided, let's, let's no kidding try to do this. Let's try. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do this. I, I, I still want to do this. I still. You still want to? I still do. I still do, Grant. <laughs> this isn't official until the end of the service. So we can, we can back out. You know, um, one of the things, even being able to come together like this, that's been so supernatural, is the fact that it's been so easy. We say easy, we're, we're in 15 meetings a week. But so that part's, I mean, the workload is actually increased, but there's an ease to it with the connectivity. Everything feels uh, like we've always been connected. You know, even with our spouses, with our staff coming together on both sides, even the pieces and parts that have come together, there's no striving. There's this ease to it. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And this absolutely highlights how that is possible. It's amazing. It's God. It's God. Yeah. You know, it's weird when you get excited for a staff meeting. And I, I told my wife, I was like, man, I just feel like tomorrow is Christmas morning every, every week to get a part of staff meeting. Some, God's doing something crazy. But he really is doing something that's different. We've been using the language of marriage. We've been... We've been using that sort of, sort of picture because we don't know a better way to describe what it is he's doing. It doesn't feel like two leaders trying to jockey for position. It feels like two people that are coming together that sort of bring the things the other needs. It's just unbelievable how, how this has all worked. And so we're going to spend you know, the next uh, several months sort of figuring all of this stuff out of how this is going to work. And so uh, we're, we're getting ready to to begin this process, to begin to move towards, you know, how, how we're going to do this. 
And so what, today we're gonna have we're gonna have a meal, and uh, and then we're gonna be Mark and I are gonna be up here, and we joked about it. We're gonna be in the receiving line, you know, and uh, as though this is the wedding day. And so feel free feel free to slip us hundreds, you know, whatever you want to do, and, and yeah, keep yeah, it with we'll, that. We'll, we'll do like that yeah. dollar dance thing. That's right. You know, we'll we'll, we'll dance. And so it just, it really feels like a, a celebration. It feels like this is a culmination. In fact, what's interesting is that when, when I first moved into the city and I was walking down the streets of Nashville, I was trying to, to discern what in the world am I doing here? The Lord gave me a picture and, and he, he showed uh, a church and he showed him pouring out uh, this, this, what looked like golden honey liquid over the church. And he said, he said, I want to raise up a church that, that other churches will send their sick people to. I want to do something in the world that's new, that's different. I want it to be a, a place where cancer can't cross the line. I, I want it to begin to see that restoration begin to pour out into the streets. And we've seen glimpses. We've seen glimpses. We've seen cancers healed. We've seen tumors go. We've seen glimpses, but it's never been to the, to the level that we felt like he showed us. And then we get this prophetic word that comes out. You want to talk about that? Yeah, Steve Dreesen, who's also going to be, Steve and Joan Dreesen, who later on this month are going to be hosting a healing conference right here. He released this prophetic word over this house in this new merger. He said this is going to be a healing center where churches from all over send their sick. So it's just fascinating. He released that over the house. And, and we've been talking about it. We feel like that there's been dreams that the Lord has deposited in us, that there's been visions that he's given us, that there's been, there's been these things that we've been stretching towards and we've been close, but we haven't really reached it. And we feel like this is now a season that we're all going to begin to walk into the destiny and the dreams that the Lord has deposited into us, even, even from years and years and years ago. And whatever he's doing here, he's doing here. Right? So, so just because it's happening here, he's going to begin to do it with everyone. And so I would, just, I would like to encourage you and, 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 and just to say that right now, this, we're already in a new season. We're not moving into a new season. The new season has begun. Yes. And in this season, one of the things that you're getting ready to see happen is that you're going to begin to see the dreams of your heart, the visions of your heart begin to come awake. You're going to begin to step into things that you didn't even dream possible. You had an inkling, but you didn't know it. This is the time. This is what he's doing. And so as, as we're getting ready to close and, and we're going to get ready to take the offering, if the ushers could prepare it, this is the season that we're in. We're in a season where he's bringing us together so that we can accomplish what he has for it. He doesn't want Lone Rangers. He wants family. This is going to be a revival that starts with the Father. It's going to be a revival of sonship and daughtership. And this is what he's getting ready to do. And so we're, we're, going, to take, we're going to take the offering, and, and you're going to want to know how that's working too. And so uh, we're, we're going to have each church give to your prospective churches however you do that, right? If you do it online, you can go online and you can give to the prospective churches. And uh, starting in January, we're going to form the new church, the new entity. And so uh, until then, as we're working and laying the groundwork, just keep giving like you normally did. Just multiply it by about 100 and then just keep doing that. <laughs> it's easy. And so, so that, that's how this is going to work. So as they come around, uh, we're, 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 you know, we're sharing the love, we're sharing the burden, but just you can feel free to do that. And so we can send out all the 
giving information and all of that uh, for this time. You, you want to pray? Yes. Father God, thank you that we get to be part of what you are doing on the earth in this season. Thank you, God, for this new wineskin that you are establishing. Thank you, Lord, for the yeses that are represented in this room. Lord, those who are willing to lay down their life on behalf of what you are doing uh, in this time, in this season. Thank you, God, in advance for the breakthrough that we are going to see. Uh, in lives. Lord, we partner with heaven in this so the world will know. So the world will know. It's all for your glory, Lord. We sow into this for your glory. Lord, do in us, with us, and through us what you want to establish in Nashville and beyond. Lord, thank you for the blueprints that you are releasing even as we come together. Lord, teach us along the way, Lord, so that we can be an arrow pointing toward heaven in this time, in this season, for your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. We want to invite, yeah. let's invite Angie and Sarah up. Mama Angie and Sarah. Yeah. 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 Why don't you guys go ahead? Sit? Go ahead. Take the seat. We just wanted to uh, to introduce our wives. This one's mine. And uh, <laughs> and then if you guys wanted to say anything. I'm super excited. Um, I just want you all to know that we've been looking forward to this um, for a while, and the Lord's been speaking and knitting us together, and it just feels right. And I don't know what he's going to do, but I feel like in Jurassic Park, where you're in the truck and you see the glass move in the water, you know there's something coming, but you don't know where or how or how big or what it looks like. That's what I feel. It's like all the water is starting to move. So, yeah, that's it. That's good. Yeah, this is Angie. I would do a high kick, but I'm sitting down right now, so... You know, I was sitting on the porch yesterday. I just want to do what the Lord wants me to do. I want to follow him anywhere he wants to go. And not because of man, but because of him. Yesterday I was sitting outside and Ecclesiastics 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor beautiful wind in the trees. The leaves were snowing. Ecclesiastics 4.12, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not equally broken. Lord, I just want to see your face in all that we do. I'm excited. What a wild ride we're on. A journey. And he brought us together. 